I'm co-host James Ash. And I'm co-host Phil Scaife. Welcome to The Business Lockdown. Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Business Lockdown. Uh, and welcome back for the, uh, for the second time, Martin Johnson. Cheers, Phil. Good, good to be back, James. Good to be back, Phil. I enjoyed it so much that I um, agreed to come back on. Yeah, absolutely. So just to recap, Martin uh, is uh, founder, owner, director of um, Trans2 Performance, or T2 for short, um, dealing with all things to do with uh, human, human, human performance. Um, and on our last, uh, our last interview, we talked about the, uh, the human iceberg and how to for, form deeper knowledge of yourself and others to, to, for communication, for relationships, for, for performance. And uh, as promised, um, James and I went off and we did our homework and, uh, and we're here to, to chat about the reports, uh, how that will work for us, how that could potentially work for other people. Um, yeah, and generally just to sort of dive deeper into a, a really, really important topic. Um, so thanks for coming back, Martin. You're welcome. It's um, like I say, genuinely, it's good to be back. I enjoyed the chat last time, and when we when we talked through the uh, the stuff we talked through, I was genuinely intrigued about what was motivating you to, and you know, and, and we had a bit of a laugh on it. So it was it was uh, it was interesting to see the results, and um, it actually surprised me. I don't know if it surprised you too, but it surprised me. Well, yeah. I think I'm, I'm excited. We're gonna we're gonna definitely drill down into it and, and cover a number of areas. But I think most importantly, what what everybody will want to know is uh, who's, who's, uh, who's, who's better? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, as you will know... And, and Remember, the, the check's in the post. The check <laughs> is in the post, Martin. So. As you will know, and as the reveal will, will reveal, um, that question is a loaded question because you're either both as good as each other or as bad as each other, and I don't know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the first thing, isn't it? That um, our profiles are very, very similar. Very similar. So, I mean, it might be worth just uh, quickly kicking off with just a very, very quick recap of what we discussed on the last one. And then, and then we can just get stuck into what came out of your, your profile. So there was nine things human beings can be motivated by, if you remember. Um, we went through the nine things on the last, um, on the last, and it was numbered one to nine, um, from perfect, correct and right to succeed and achieve, to be special and find meaning, knowledgeable and smart, blah, blah, blah. And we got through the nine and we discussed them. Uh, just to recap, I'm an eight three, which means strong and self-reliant and to succeed and achieve. Um, and in the test, the test is an interesting one. You two have done it now. Um, and the test, I think, is very clever by print, where you can't really answer how you want to be perceived. There's around 700 and I think something like 756 questions on print. And you will keep going on the test until it picks up your the algorithms pick up your unconscious motivators. So you might have answered some of those questions and gone, well, both, but yeah. if pushed, this one. Mm -hmm. And you might have answered some of them where you went, well, neither, but if pushed, this one. And it does that on purpose. There's also, I believe, a time limit on the question. So if you overanalyze it, it tries to throw just a different question at you in a different way, which is sometimes why you might have felt, I've already answered this question. And what it's trying to do is it's trying to, the algorithms are trying to pick up your unconscious motivators, what is naturally driving your behaviors. So to cut straight to the chase, Phil, what was your two unconscious motivators in your report? 
Yeah, so I mean, so on the last episode when you went through the initial nine, I thought I was going to be similar, similar to you. I was eight, three, uh, definitely eight was the one that resonated. Um, and it turns out that so I'm seven major and eight minor, which is uh, seven <laughs> is enjoy life and be happy, and then the the minor one, the secondary one, being to be strong and self reliant. Yeah. And you indicated in the first episode that when I was talking about being detailed and structured and, you know, analyzing in the weeds, you were like, that is completely not me. And, and talking about patience and stuff. Seven, eight is the two motivators out of the nine human motivators that have the least patience are seven and an eight. And you've got them both. So it's like double whammy. Yeah, come on, Martin, get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> James. Let's go straight to you because we, we maybe thought in episode one that there was going to be a difference here and you was hoping to be special. What, what well, did yours reveal? I think before, before we move on to Manor, when you, when you came into that, you mentioned you used the term um, as will kick off. And I think what's important to, we've identified from this process that Phil is uh, different than me, is very aggressive. Is that right, Phil? <laughs> that's, that's come, come through. So to, to kick off was, uh, was um, you know, pretty, uh, pretty close. There, but no, we're very similar. No, I do joke, but yeah, exactly. Seven major and eight minor. Um, okay, yeah, so to enjoy life and be happy and to be strong and self-reliant. So, so, so in uh, that then, we both guessed Phil would be of sort of an eight-ish, eight or a three-ish in terms of the first episode. We definitely said you was a four or a seven, so we got the seven right. But you're both, your profiles are print twins. You are, <laughs> you are both seven-eights. Now, if you read under the line, it says your, your minor in relation to your major will be low, medium or high. Now, I believe yours is low, James, and I believe Phil's Phil's is medium. Yeah, that's right. Now, all that means, guys, is when you took the test, you both are definitely a seven and an eight, but Phil's Phil's eight, to be strong and self-reliant, is a little bit more up the pecking order with him. It's a bit more present in Phil. It's stronger in a relation to to the major than yours is. So what yours is saying, James, is... You're, you still want to be strong and self-reliant, but your overarching motivator is to enjoy life and be happy and be creative and spin lots of plates. So, so <laughs> if, in your dynamic, and this is just a guess, guys, in your working dynamic, if you, do, if you are likely to discuss contentious issues or you do lock horns, you're more likely to, to concede eventually, James, than maybe Phil. Because Phil's eight is slightly more present in... You know, he wants to be strong and self-reliant and uh, and in control to some to some sense. Well, that, that's, well that's just that's just giving me a bit of ammunition, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, but you, but that's oh, only because Phil's hold more, out, Phil's, hold out. That's yeah, but but that only happens because Phil's got an aggression problem. <laughs> because and that's because so, he's yeah, like more dominant. Hey, yeah, you know, I, 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 I bruise like a peach. I bruise like a peach. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny because the we uh, Phil and I were talking the other day and we we were having a general conversation about business ideas and setups and stuff like that and people that we meet and and we actually had a conversation before we worked on this and it was about um, how we're alphas but what works really well is that we both have the ability to step back depending on the situation and I I mean I, I've got I've got to admit. When I think when when Phil and I are ever approaching something, we either we either pretty much completely I think we agree most times than not, and and then we have different ideas within that agreement, which just which just works really well. 
but if if I'm ever if I'm ever kind of unsure, but you know, and, and Phil's adamant, then I just have that like that's not a problem. I don't need to really test it anymore. If I think if one of us is swaying more over the grand scheme of things, it's just going like yeah, I'm happy to do that. Absolutely well, happy to do that. There's three motivators out of the nine that are the most independent that just sort of um, signal independence, and that is obviously a three to succeed and achieve. Because when people want to succeed and achieve, it's like get out my way. I can't have anybody stopping me. Sevens, because they're just carefree and want to enjoy life and be happy. And actually, I'm not going to be railroaded into something I aren't going to be engaged in. And eights, because they've got the, they're flexing the guns going, I'm in charge here and I want to, you know, I, I'm, I'll make the decisions and I'll write. So three sevens and eights for slightly different reasons are very independent motivators. Um, and people who have them are some of the most driven, successful, self-motivated, independent people on the courageous, they take risks, bold, all of this stuff. And as long as they're, they're in the best version of themselves, and as you've both read in your reports, there's a best side to being a 7A and there's a shadow side to being a 7A. And it's like that with all personality style, uh, styles and motivations. But you two have got motivations that are very driven, self, uh, self-dependent, self you know, um, very goal-driven, very strong dominant motivators. And for, and, and, and same for me as an 8-3. So our opportunity, we sit on the side of the fence where nobody has to motivate us to go and do something, right? Nobody, you know, we, we'll, we will take that mantle ourselves. But what we've got to be cautious of is when we're in shadow, we can be uh, pissed off, bulldozing, controlling, fixed-minded to change, unrelenting from our position. You know, we, we can very, be opinionated, we'll jump into conflict, and you can see that it, all it is is a fine line. And as long as our motivators have been met, we're going to be great. But when we're challenged, we're not going to be great. Yeah, and, uh, and there's another set of motivators that we don't have, like peace and harmony, safe and secure, to be needed and appreciated, that are the opposite to us. They're very unsure. They're very risk-averse. They'll put others before themselves. They, they don't make so many bold and courageous decisions at the fear of getting something wrong. They care dearly about what other people think of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So their opportunity, because they're wonderful human beings, is to some, sometimes put their head above the parapet and take some risks and, you know, and, and have some self-confidence. So as you can imagine, uh, with Print Profile, and I'll wrap this up and you can grill me for the rest of this, um, this, this, this show, is there are nine human motivators. Everybody has two a major and a minor. So there's 72 variations of report, low, medium, and high relevance. So usually the, the analysis in the report is incredibly uh, accurate to the individual, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it, well, it absolutely does because I got the report and, um, and I read through it. And then I also read it to my family and they were just laughing. It was as if they'd written it. You know, <laughs> they're just so spot on. And the, the, traits, the traits that you're saying there, um, with that sort of like that, that single minded, um, functional operational when, um, probably the most, I, I, I suppose when you're under pressure and under stress, these things are going to, are going to come out because it's going to be your defense mechanism, isn't it? It's going to be how you, how you get through. And, um, one of the most stressful things in, in home, in, in family life is going on holiday. And for my family, we've identified that their holiday starts the morning that we're going away. And my holiday starts when I've managed to get them onto the aeroplane and I know that 
I've done my job and the pilot is now going to get us the rest of the way. You know so, what? I'm laughing. It is ex- that is exactly how I am. When I get my first, when we're up in the air and I have my first drink, that is the only time I relax. Yes. Because it's and, my and, duty. It's your duty to get them there to that point. Yeah. yeah. And there's a big friction point from getting into the airport car park to getting on the aeroplane. Because it's like, whoa, we're at an airport. Oh, look at this duty free. Look at this. Look at that. <laughs> and and they call me the robot. And so my family call me the robot because I literally I, I stop all forms of communication and I become very single minded. And I sometimes even forget to turn around and look to check they're following me. Do you do you also? This is my wife goes mad at me because I'm also walking with two cases at like a hundred mile an hour down the middle of the airport. And the, the, everybody's, I mean, I'm going, hurry up. And she's like, what's the rush? We can't get on the plane any quicker. And I'm like, I know, but once we're at the gate and we're, or we're in the vicinity of the gate, then then we're done. You can go yeah. when you want. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it is that very target driven. Uh, I And the other thing that like, we've done a lot of the testing on these motivators and what the motivator that rises to the top all the time in terms of handling pressure, if, in fact, coming alive under pressure is an eight. So if the pressure's on, eights go, right, it's me who has to take the lead here. I'm going to shoulder the burden of getting us out of this. Whereas there's other motivators when pressure hits where they go, oh, I hope somebody else is going to take the lead. So we don't have a problem doing that, um, if that makes sense. But then we'll be absolutely relentless until we get to the end. But, you know, it, it um, it is a really useful tool in understanding yourself. And this is the thing, right? If I asked you two, two questions, you're both a seven, eight. And we're starting to correlate um, patterns and being able to connect the dots between your formative years and where these motivators have manifested in you from. And do you remember in the first episode, I talked about parental, social, educational. So the way your parents parented you is a huge impact on your motivators manifesting, your school experiences and your social, early social experiences. So parental is probably the biggest percentage of that that we find. So sevens, right? You're both a seven major. And the most common story we get one-to-one with people who have a seven motivator to enjoy life and be happy, to be free, to be independent, to do what you want to do and enjoy what you do. Um, For that to sort of happen, it sort of comes through um, sort of two, two real main ways really where, um, when you grew up, let's say, let's say you had a bit, uh, you had a robust, rigid uh, rules in the household or structure or governance or whatever, and it was overly rigid. Um, and it doesn't always have to be in the household. It means, but you sort of didn't like that oppression. So when you grew, when you as you developed your brain, you've gone right. I want to be free, and I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to be dictated to. So sometimes, um, sometimes that can that can manifest and, and eights and sevens also have a really direct link to growing up with not much. And, and I don't mean poverty. I mean, growing up with um, not having the, all of the luxury your friends had, or didn't live in the, in the lavish house or didn't go on the holidays that everybody else went on or not having the best trainers or the, you know, or the designer gear. And therefore sometimes we, we see those sevens and those eights manifest in people who have, who have, who have shared stories about, potentially not having everything they wanted as a child or 
would have desired. And therefore, it's that I'm going to have that when I'm older and I'm going to make sure that happens. So there's a, I don't know if they, that correlates with you, but James, you were just pointing there. Yeah, I'm interested in that because when you, when you gave that example, you talked about kind of items um, and you didn't speak about like opportunities or experiences um, or situations. And I think I was essentially, I, got, I had an older half, brother, half sister. But it, I did seem like an only, essentially an only child in many ways, um, in, the, in the house, certainly in the household. Um, so, you know, I did get a nice pair of trains, not an overly stuff, but I, I got things like that. But I think I, there were certain experiences or um, um, moments that I think I, were, that I, I wanted and really drove. So, so, and the thing is, the one thing, we always had a family holiday, you know, mum and dad would save up a, a really hard so we could have a one or two week holiday in the sunshine. And for me, when I went overseas, you know, I mean, I'm, da I'm dark anyway, so I would turn, I would go, I would, I would tan really easily. I'd be immersed in this, like people speaking a different language in, in the sunshine that's just guaranteed every day, playing loads of activities and meeting loads of people. And it was just like the best two weeks of the year ever. Um, and so, and because of, because of that, as soon as I could then uh, being old enough in terms of then going out on my own and, and, and choosing to put myself in different experiences and throw myself in, into things that I had the control over and was able to do, I just did more and more of that. I'd try all sorts of clubs and sports clubs. And, and then as soon as I, as soon as I started getting a job and could, you know, I traveled, I would travel to different countries each year, then travel the world on, a, I mean, I left the UK for 18 months and, and, that, and, that's, and that's an example of why we use the terminology connecting the dots. Because when you're going from, we've already gone from your, from your personality style to your motivators. You guys now know what your motivations are. So now we're talking about connecting the dots between your motivations and your sense of purpose, your formative years. You've told a story there, James, that actually you resonate with that, the fact that you want to enjoy life and be happy and look, have things to look forward to and have variation and positive experiences and all the rest of it. But you're connecting the dots between there's an anchor in your childhood of very, very positive memories that that was your fav favorite time of growing up. So you want to replicate that. And generally in psychology, you've hit on an important here in psychology. When we do the one-to-one -one work, we can always, you can define two crossroads in people's answers. They either want to replicate the way their parents were with them or the experiences they had, or they want to rebel against their parents or the experiences that they had and want to be anything but them. So in, that's what it's like towards pleasure or away from pain in NLP. So um, what we find in sense of purpose is, you know, for example, and I'll come to Phil in a second, but you could be a seven, eight James based on the fact that you want to replicate some of the experiences you had as a child. Phil might go, I didn't have a bad childhood, but I, I had some anchors where I want to rebel against them. I, I certainly have certain things I don't, I want to avoid rather than want to replicate. So Phil, it's interesting. I don't know if you're listening to any of that and connecting any of your own dots at the minute. Yeah. I think I struggled at, at first when you were saying about, um, sort of the, those, um, those, those moments in, in childhood and, and, and how you were parented and things. Um, neither of the examples resonated, but, as, as I sort of like worked with that, I'm thinking that firstly, uh, one of my, my main drivers right now is, uh, and, and, and has been ever since I've had kids, is to not work whilst they're not at school. So 12 weeks of the year. And that as a business owner, and you probably know yourself, you can't be at home 
and be on holiday. You you have to be on holiday. And so that generally means sort of like certainly getting out of East Yorkshire. And when I was when I was um when I was growing up, my parents um they would always take us to to Bridlington on on holiday, like you know, sort of 15 miles down the road. And we would go as soon as school finished for summer holidays, we would go that night and then we would come back sort of like the night before school started again. And that's obviously it's one of the most amazing memories or a series of memories from my childhood. And I very much try to replicate that in, in as many different forms as possible. But we never, ever went abroad. And all of my friends would always be coming back. Like James would have been one of them. Like, you know, he was in Spain or he was in Italy or he was in France, whatever it might be. And we were always in Bridlington. And so, so I guess there's, there's two sides to it there. There's a, there's a very nostalgic one and there's also a rebellion against the other parts. Of it. I think it's like mine, your life must be mirrored. My grand, grandmother and grandfather lived in Bridlington. Right. So I spent a lot of my childhood there. Six weeks holidays, I'd stay for a week or two on end. Yeah. And, and like, I, like you say, very fond memories of, because Bridlington and the, and the coast in the summer and the beaches, the, the, the fab. But for me, like, again, growing up, I only had one foreign holiday before the age of, I think, 15, 16, which was we drove to the south of France in the car in a Ford Orion. We drove two days with no air conditioning to the south of France, and we camped on a campsite. And that was my one foreign holiday as a child. So, yeah, I, I resonate with that. And, and therefore, people always ask me now, you know, about what's the thing I like to spend my money on? And the only answer is holidays. Yeah. I will. I love spending money on holidays because it's a, it's an experience that, you know, like you say, I, n- I never overly had, but that we have as a family and that that I love, and, and and this is the key to it, guys. Just to sort of again before you've got anything else on your agenda, this is the key to it. We do this testing because we can test for personality styles with neuroscience and with psychometric testing. We can test for unconscious biases and motivators, so the things that have manifested in us that drive it. But the sense of purpose piece and the backstory, the origins of where that comes from, means different things to different people. And you can't box them. You can't categorize them. We've done thousands of these one-to-one sense of purpose sessions, and there's all sorts of stuff that crops up. There's a few trends, like we said, but it has to be you who connects the dots from your motivators down and not anybody else, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So just my, so I've got a question with regards to what we're going through now. Um, COVID, lockdown, crisis, world, the world changing overnight on March the whatever it was, 2020. I believe that from what I've read in this report and our discussions that your threes, sevens and eights are probably quite well equipped to deal with that, to do the pivot, to do the creative thinking, to not, to not sort of like knock them completely off into a hill set, you know, just, just to re- refocus, realign and move forward. Certainly in my report, I'm reading those sorts of phrases and things and it's resonating with me. However, there must be traits that it's the, the exact opposite. This is the worst possible thing that can happen mm-hmm. to that trait. Um, what, what would those, what would those um, traits be? And, and this is also another like very live example that we're going through right now um, is that if someone in a team is, has got those traits uh, and how, how you could support that, how you could help that. Um, yeah, we, we, Lydia, Lydia, our occupational psychologist wrote a, wrote a paper on this recently. Um, 
we've got enough data points now to know in, in the normal, in, in our, when we're operating as norm, normal, um, we have already the data that motivators that generally, um, and it's not an exact science, but we have the trends of the motivators that are more susceptible to stress, anxiety, worry, all of those things. Um, and that's no different during COVID because if you're thinking COVID-19, it's just escalated the, 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 the situation for those types of motivators and it's still the same. So if you think about, you're absolutely right, some of the motivators that are geared towards achievement and, and reward and pleasure, like threes, succeed and achieve, and sevens, variation, enjoy life and be happy, positives, what can be done, and your eights, look, it's a, it's a crisis, let's rise to the challenge and take control and pivot. So you, you two, yeah, sorry, your three, sevens and eights are definitely uh, more likely to be dealing with this situation better. And motivators that are uh, more designed and more susceptible to move away from pain and risk um, or who need engagement with other human beings are, are more likely to struggle. So that would be your six to be safe and secure, your twos to be needed and appreciated by other human beings, your fours to be special and find meaning in your life. Because right now, if you sat at home in isolation every day, unless you're pivoting, you're not finding any meaning, right? Yeah. Unless you're gearing your brain to, to, to interpret the situation in the right way. So you're absolutely right. Um, there are certain motivators that are going to be more susceptible. And I would say what we see in, in the data and in the conversations we have, two, twos, fours, and sixes, those you're either the, the motivators that are either incredibly humanistic and need human connection or the ones who are designed to be risk averse and move away from pain are certainly the ones who are probably going to find it a bit more tough than the others. But here's the thing, and this is why print is wonderful. You have a major and a minor. So if you've got two motivators, all three of us have two motivators that align with each other. Does that make sense? So we've got motivators that are in a seven and an eight or a three and an eight are let's take on the world, can do, let's take responsibility and be accountable for what we do. But there are a lot of people who have a mixed combination. So there's someone out there who could have an 8-2. So Dave Pendleton, one of my consultants, is an 8-2. He has strong and self-reliant, but I also want to be needed and appreciated. And if you think about that, he's slightly schizophrenic. He yeah. won't mind me saying, right? Because you're going, I'm strong, and I'm strong and self-reliant and I can do this, but am I doing a good job? And I yeah. need Is that okay with you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a good job, but I need other people for validation. And it's that real contrast. We also pe see people who have got, for example... Um, and it's rare, but we've seen people who have got like a three and a six or an eight and a six. So they want to succeed and achieve and be strong, but then they want to be safe and secure. And they're, in, and they're getting pulled by their motivations to, to one direct. And that's where procrastination and worry and anxiety comes from. So it, it, 72 combinations. If you've, if you've got two motivators that are aligned with one or the other, it's, it's relatively straightforward in terms of the way you think. If you've got a, a really humanistic motivator, with a really task goal driven motivator, sometimes it can it can it can challenge each other. But yeah, there's definitely some people who with certain motivators who would find this more challenging than others. Yeah. So so with that knowledge for your team, I guess, and something like this happens, or something in a smaller version you can see happening on the horizon, I guess you could prepare team members slightly differently and in slightly different ways, and maybe even change roles and responsibilities based on 
mm. you know, what you can see coming and how you can see that that, that trait, those motivators would, would deal with it. Absolutely. And that's the key. And it's, you know, the, ten, the reason we use the tool so well is because there's, there's loads of different values to it in terms of the way you work with your colleagues and you, the way you operate with your staff. But for example, it, you know, I'm, I'm coaching a lot of senior leaders at the minute uh, remotely. Um, and, and we're saying to them, if you've got people with a combination like a 6-2, because I've, and she won't mind me saying I've got a 6-2 uh, in my team um, and she's the one who's struggling with the lockdown the most. Yeah, and, and and she's the one, therefore, who I if I if I ever check in with her, um, there's a certain conversation we have, which is completely different to a conversation that I might have with, you know, someone who's an eight two, eight three, or eight one, or whatever it might be. So I would be saying to people, just look for certain people who have got these motivators. They might be fine, and it's an on an individual basis, but check in with these people because they've got motivators that their triggers are being pressed right now. Yeah, mm. and and we haven't talked about triggers, but you've got your triggers. I was just um, that was exactly what I was going to say because I've got I've got my the screen up here about some possible triggers, and I've got my you asked for a top three, so that was leading us on perfectly. Uh, well, well tr triggers um, are important. So just before you start, James, triggers for the people watching are in your analysis. You don't you, you know you get your motivations and what it means, but you also get a list of your triggers, and the triggers are really interesting because they say these are the isolated incidents or events that will compromise or challenge your motivators. So you almost get like a battle guide of the things that will piss you off on a daily basis in black and white. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, because I mean, you asked for our, our top three. And um, when I looked at these, there's certainly like, there's, there's, there's a clear one. And then two is actually a couple of them put together. What will be but interesting is to see yeah. if you and Phil have picked the same three or different because because you've both got the same report, you'll have similar triggers. So um, it'll be interesting to see you've picked the same ones. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if we will, but then I yeah, also... Still fine with that. I haven't picked my three, so I didn't get the part of the homework. So just uh, talk amongst yourselves. I'll be, I'll be 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, did that, that, that'll have come through in his print report that he you know, is, one of his, is one of his highlighted weaknesses, aggression and... Uh, and, and Can I just make an observation for you two as well? And this is, yeah. this is a universal observation. The people who are, mo who are least responsive on email are sevens, right? <laughs> Phil has never responded to an email I've been in on ever. And James does, James does, but it, it's not as a, an impatient eight three. It's not as quick as I'd like sometimes. But it's, a, it's a fake, it's a fake seven. It's a fake seven. <laughs> Sevens. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased you brought. I'm pleased you brought this up because this is an area that triggers me with Phil. Yeah, sevens can be so scatty in response times because they're juggling lots of plates, or they think I'll do it yeah. later, or they get they get attracted to this little shiny project over here, and it's like, come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> very true. What about what very, about very being true. late? Well, yeah, I don't know how punctual you two are, but I, I'm I'm ex-military, so I'm on time all the time. But sevens are generally scatty with 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 timekeeping, with responsiveness, with being orderly at times. You know, it, they can be really scatty. But then eights. Here's the thing with you two: eights can be very, very like a three organized. So you have the you have a motivator that says, "Well, here's the thing with you two, right? If you're interested in it, you'll be orderly." If it doesn't capture your interest, you know, forget about it. 
So that's how your your combination will manifest. So James, what what are your top what are your top three triggers? Has Phil uh, has Phil got his yet? Because I don't want to. Well, I don't give I've him got a gift to you. I've got my top four at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> right. So my my top one because there's running through. I mean, feeling micromanaged, undermined, and not in control. I mean, yeah, of course there's that, but I don't mind being led by a good leader. I, in fact, I love it because you're just like a sponge. You know, I've sat in boardroom meetings with Thomas Martin um, from Arco, and you're just like, this is how a board meeting should be run. You're just like, oh, you can't help. So, yeah, I've got an interesting slant on that. Um, people who take long time to make decisions, but then you respect, I've got more respect for that's how they work. Um, people who overanalyze and overprocess, hey, Depending on the on the setup, if people want to overanalyze, that's fine because I'm not. I'm going to do the opposite. So we'll we'll meeting in the middle might be quite a good thing, and I'm aware. So of what that. are the three, James? What are right, your top okay. three? I've got feeling, me. Three. I've got feeling, me three. I've got me three. Feeling, uh, feeling pinned down or hemmed in is yep. is the clear one. Feeling pinned down or hemmed in. If I ever, I need a lot of freedom, and often it's not There's essentially even sat in Turkey. <laughs> Yeah, again, struggle, struggles to keep a relationship going up the year. Yeah, that's that, this guy. Um, but success is in relationships as well as being where you're allowed that, that freedom or that sense of freedom. So, not that you'll take it all the time, but knowing that you've got that, if that you ever need to tap into that, is key. And I, I have experienced that before, which is incredible. And that's your um, eight, so I, that's one of mine as well. If you're an A, the the number one trigger is feeling pinned down or hemmed in in your relationships, at work, but but in any in any form of life, you know, if you feel like your independence is curtailed, that it ain't happening. Indeed, and like that's when we, with the COVID nineteen situation that we find ourselves in, the biggest the the main struggle I'm finding is not having that city break in a couple of months to, to then to really help focus the now and work the stupid hours that we need to work on all of that because I know that that's coming. So I've got that. And that's not my normal you, process you make, without having that. You make a really good point. All sevens always talk about that they're in a really good mindset if they've got something to look forward to. So having the next holiday in the diary, having the next challenge, you know, the next 10K run booked in, whatever it might be that floats their boat, they have to have that to look forward to. If they've got nothing, they really struggle. They do struggle at times. Mm -hmm. What's your number two, James? So number two are, um, well, it's two and three equal measure, and they kind of come in as one. People who won't try new things. But that's more of, it's less of a frustration now. Like younger, you go like, I can't believe that. I can't believe it. Now, it's less of a frustration. It's just more of a, that, that's who that person is, and that, that doesn't suit me. I, you know, that, they're very different than me. So, you know, if I'm on a date, and there's a, there's a girl that... that um, won't try a dish because she doesn't like it, but she's never tried it. I'll be just like, all oh, right, it's a bit of a bit of a red flag there that that says a lot about somebody. You, um, you're coming I, across as really like... high maintenance, James. Written... <laughs> Are you single by any chance? <laughs> I am. I am single. By... Yeah, I am single. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Where's and, Phil gone? Uh, and in, 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 well, this in... took a different direction, didn't it? Oh, and uh, in, in, inflexible, inflexible and rigid behaviour is that 
that just be, because that's how they are. That's that how they see, and that they're just they're not open to be trying new things. Or, you know, I I can sit with anybody around the world, any age, any religion, any race, any belief, as long as they're open to be sharing. Because that's how I I believe that's how. So, so your your three triggers, James. Number one is that the first one, telling your independence and feeling hemmed in, is challenging your eight motivator. So that's compromising your number eight to be strong and self-reliant. The other two are compromising your seven to enjoy life, be happy, and have variation and try new things. And and therefore, if you think about it, other people who you meet who have different motivators to have more routine, more structure, more repetition, more more being risk of risk of s. They're not bad people. They're just motivated by different things to you, and that's where the clash can happen. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. So Phil, what have you, what have you got? Similar ones, or have you have you highlighted different ones? Well, I mean, so I read them all, and it was just every single one resonated with me. I could, and I could, I could think of an example of every single one and where I I started to boil a bit, you know, I was like, Oh yeah. Cause when that happens, yeah, that's, that's me. That's me. Like, you know, it's a trigger when you get pissed off reading it. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I was gone. I I had to go find a quiet corner, but um, yeah. So my three, um, uh, not being able to do things my way. um, I, I, another airport story last time uh i can't remember where i was going but i was in lee's bradford airport and i got right the way through to the airplane and the the, the carry-on bag that i had taken on every single flight for the past six years ryanair stopped me and they tried to fit it in the thing and then they and and what it was there was a plastic clip that so the, the thing would stand up there was a plastic clip and it wouldn't fit in because of this plastic clip and so in front of like the, the holding pen, which was, which was an entire airplane full of people, this, these two Ryanair women were saying, right, okay, that's, that's 25 euros, fine. And I'm like, I'm not paying. And I, I was trying to snap this thing off. I was trying to write it. I was getting people over to help me. <laughs> trying to do, and they had to stop me because I was going to break the cage thing. <laughs> <laughs> it will go in. Let yeah. me jump on it. <laughs> I even, when I got on, when I paid the 25 quid and I got on the airplane and I put it under the seat in front of me, I took a picture and sent it to them. It, you know, I was that boiled over over it aggressive, and it wasn't about the money or anything like that it was the fact that i've always done that i've always taken that case and all of a sudden someone's stopping me from doing so again not not being able to do things your way is definitely challenging your eight motivator to be strong and self-reliant and i don't want to depend on anybody yeah yeah uh having your creativity and ideas stifled well actually seven yeah. So, so sevens thrive on idea generation on creative freedom etc yeah because I only come up with awesome. Ideas. I've only done that. I've only I've only done that once with Phil. There's only been one one time ever. Uh, yeah. And what time was that, Phil? What was that over? Can you, can you remember? Can I move on to the next one? I don't want to. Move <laughs> <on>. <laughs> so uh, I'll allow that one to move on. <laughs> and then um, can't do attitudes. Oh yeah. man! Negative, yeah. pessimistic, can't do attitudes, and that's because. Yeah. You two are very much wired in a way of a can-do. So it's like, if there's a problem, let's look at what we can do to fix it. We don't need to have a long, drawn-out conversation of why it went wrong and what went wrong and who's at fault. Let's just focus on how we move forward. So if you encounter people who are overly focused on blame and negativity and 
uh, or well, we can't do that because we tried it three years ago and it didn't work then. That's just going to, that's just going to drive you crazy. And that's because yeah. your view of the world is very much op- optimistic and can do. And that comes very much comes with your motivator to enjoy life and be happy. And, it, and here's the thing, right? You know, you, you to ask me the question, what's best? Is it best to be similar with your motivators to have complete opposites? There's no exact science to it. Me and my wife are complete opposite. She's a 6'2 to be safe and secure and to be needed and appreciated. And I'm an 8'3 to be strong and self-reliant. But I always call, I always use this analogy that we're like the, the, the rock and the kite. You know, I'm the kite and she's the rock. So I'm not flying off like in all different directions and she's not completely staying on the ground. You need the two of us to sort of have that balancing out. But the mutual understanding is key because we have the ability to trigger each other. Yeah. When two people are exactly the same, and this is only my this is my opinion from the data, if I was going to lean towards something, generally two people with the entire same motivators and driven by the same things and the same triggers clash more because you press it, you could press each other's triggers. For example, you two work very well together because you know each other, but you're both strong and self reliant. So if Phil wanted to go in a direction and you wanted to go in a different direction, the potential for two eights to stand their ground and enter conflict is huge, right? But as you learn, as you go forward, like you said, James, I know the group and power dynamics and I'm quite happy. If Phil's really passionate about something, I'm quite happy to take a step back. And therefore in future things, when you get really animated about something, Phil maybe take a step back. Maybe not, but you know the point. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, but that is how that is how it works. It, it yeah, I mean, we've had, we've had discussions about this show and the format of this show, haven't we? Um, mm. And we had we had differing opinions, um, but we've reached the point where it works, and it was actually your version of the event. So I, I have that ability. <laughs> well, that's it. But the, the mutual the mutual understanding is key. So. There's no exact science to it, but I guess you two are, are very similar in many ways, which makes, I guess, a good dynamic between you in terms of thinking. And you've just got to be watch out for when the triggers are being pressed on either your sevens or your eights. And But you, you sound like you've got that covered off. But here's the thing. You two have clearly worked with each other for a, a period of time. You know each other pretty well. Can you imagine a manager in an organization who is managing 50 people or has 50 people in their department they don't have the level of relationship you two have. They don't know the people's unconscious motivators and wonder why they get it right with some and badly wrong with others because they're operating completely based on their motivations and how they see the world. Yeah. And what we do in this work is very much try to get people to understand exactly what we was talking about on episode one. Don't treat people how you would like to be treated because you'll get it right with some and not others. Treat people how they would like to be treated. And the way you do that is to understand them at a deeper level and find out a little bit more about them. Yeah, and, and so, based on uh, that, is that, just, just touch on that, that is that, that we're, we're, although we're very, we're, we talk about all these similarities, is that our, our setups are very different. You know, Phil's married with three kids, um, very different setup than I have. But our needs uh, uh, need to be met in that we both love to travel or be on holiday. You know, I, my big thing is being in the sunshine, working remotely and having that, that. And Phil's passion, you know, is his family, clearly. And so we understand that that's so important for both of us. Very different, but equally as important. So we just have, I, I know we, we have so much respect that, you know, Phil goes on holiday. It's just like, right, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to have more focus. I'm going to take up the slack because that's really important for him. And likewise, I get that in return as well. So we do have very 
very big differences in our circumstances, but so much respect as well. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's the power of understanding. Uh, and that comes with time, with relationships, etc. But listen, just because you've known each other a long time, it means nothing. I've done sessions with directors who have been on a board in an organization with each other for 15 years and they hate each other's guts because so much has happened over that even though they know each other well things have happened where they've challenged each other's motivations and triggered each other so many times in the past that they can't get past it now and and like the human brain is a wonderful thing we have a computer in our brain where we store memories and experiences and the more we store negative experiences about people the deep-rooted they become and the harder it is to get past it. So the person who pissed you off 15 years ago because they did X and you're still holding a grudge about it today, it's where stubbornness comes from. So what we do in, in this is we, get, we lift the lid. I mean, the amount of times we've lift the lid on the problem between two people around something that happened 10 years ago and they haven't got past it. And, and, and therefore, you know, we try and break that down and, and recreate like a new anchor to sort of wipe the slate clean and say, right, listen, it happened because you operated in, in the way that's natural to you and your motivations that compromised and challenged this person's motivations. And you never discussed it or dealt with it very well. And it's festered, you know, actually you're both really similar and really good at what you do. And, and we can, we can bring this together. So wonderful things happen when you, when you know, know what's driving people's behavior rather than just seeing the behavior yeah. and reacting to it. So, so I, I believe that people change and evolve like every sort of five to 10 years, you know, through experiences, knowledge, good and bad experiences, whatever. I'm not the same person I was five to seven years ago and then five to seven years before that. It, by looking at this, is, is kind of what I'm saying there is that, is that the, the person that sits on top of these motivators can change and evolve, but the motivators are, are constant because they're, because they're inbred at a very earlier age. Great question. And I, I, I and we're, we're monitoring this data all the time. So for, the fact, for, for example, we're testing people every three years at the minute to see if the change in terms of their unconscious motivators. Right. The indication is that in the main unconscious motivators are formed as we reach adulthood from the experiences in our formative years. That, that's, that's clear. The question is, is to your point, do they then through adulthood, depending on careers and jobs and relationships and circumstance, does it, does it change? Mm. Um, the indication is unconscious motivators are pretty deep rooted and deep seated. They may change like your seven and your eight might change order. Your seven might swap out for a three. But for example, Phil, we don't really see people go from being an eight, three to a six, two. It's just, too dramatic it's it's too much of a personality transplant and that doesn't happen in people by the time we are in adulthood we're pretty much who we are what changes rapidly however is how we respond to them does this make sense yeah so through our experiences and through our tenure and through different environments and relationships and experiences we tend to respond to the motivators differently because we learn what serves as well and what doesn't serve as well. So as an eight, three strong and self-reliant succeed and achieve, I've always been this, but I was quite an aggressive, impatient, fixed mindset, alpha wolf, eight, three in my early twenties. In fact, as I left the military and came into the, the corporate world, I was probably a nightmare to manage 
you know, I was very opinionated. I didn't really take advice and criticism very well. Um, you know, I, I was good at my job as well, which was worse because it reinforced <laughs> I knew what I was doing. So I was probably a pain in the ass, but I can look back at that now and say I was motivated by the same things, but I didn't understand them and I didn't, I didn't, it didn't serve me very well. Whereas I'm still an 8-3 now, but I'm far more aware of my behavior, of how to approach situations, of how to manage my emotions when I'm feeling, you know, challenged. So I think to answer your question, Phil, my, our research and what we're seeing in trends is by the time you reach adulthood, your motivations are pretty much your motivations. They might change a little bit, but not very much. What absolutely changes is how you react to them and how you, you know, respond to situations because you learn, you know, you evolve. Yeah. <laughs> Are you are you on Tinder right now? <laughs> I thought he was asleep then for a minute. <laughs> you know what? After 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 that public notification about me being single, I'm just getting my uh, username to uh, to tell at the end of the episode. So, uh... <laughs> and episode three, episode three, we're gonna we're gonna find James a date. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll see how uh, how high maintenance I really am, Martin, at that. That's um, as open as uh, long as uh, as long as they're open to try new food on the menu in the restaurant and go into new places. Uh, yeah, just just up for trying new shit. That's it. Like, just, like, I, just, a, I could say they've gone off and tried new boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's happened. But um, no, and also yeah, it's interesting and, and funnier that you've said there is it's not so much about everybody meeting your partners or friends meeting on the same level but having that that understanding at the same time and that's that's kind of that's that's continued throughout this episode so very interesting very true and you know healthy compromise uh, in business in friendships in relationships you know with partners there as well so i think that's that's also okay well we are going to have you on again sooner rather than later um that's for sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely do that. Um, we'll have a good think about, uh, you know, like I think what we might actually do is, is ask the audience as well what we want to focus on. Um, there's a lot of people struggling out there that we're picking up on. Phil? Yeah, no, I was going to say on that, um, can we put a link in uh, for people to go and do print reports and then Perfect. presumably if they've got any, any questions, we can do like some sort of well, Q&A. The challenge, the challenge for that, Phil, is is it's, it costs money. I mean, obviously, I've done you two as a freebie, mm. um, but obviously, print is it costs us to run the reports and the analysis with our license. So obviously, there's a yeah. charged model. We charge seventy five pound a report for print, uh, and it's got to be delivered and facilitated like I facilitated it to you prior to this. So uh, yeah, it's not one of them freebie online tests, unfortunately. No. But if they want to, no, if- I don't, I don't, and I don't think we were thinking of that. I think we actually look, we're a non sales platform. Form, but the value that you're giving us and it's actually it feels like salesy because this is a really it's a really valuable tool for people to be to be taking right now exploring oh, yeah. um, and, and getting more well, understanding just, so if we can if we can just put our details on there just put our trans two details on there if anybody wants to get in touch to inquire about it or to discuss it for their businesses or their employees or their teams you know we, we'll we'll absolutely um have a chat with them and, and speak with them and yeah, we've been we've been doing a lot of online facilitation of print recently because we can't get face to face. The face to face stuff we do is great, but what we're finding in this COVID nineteen is this is fine. It's absolutely fine, and we, we, you either sit around and do nothing or you do something like this, you know. Yeah. So yeah. So go before on. Before we fill up, where's the first holiday that you both are gonna? So what have you put? A, have you put a marker in the ground 
Yeah, we spoke about having something positive to aim for. And we love our we 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 come together that we love our holidays and love our travel. So where have you have you put your marker in the ground yet on your next trip? Um, and if not, where where would you? Where well, would you? well, we've had to cancel two holidays because of COVID nineteen. So we were due to go to a beefer in three weeks, two weeks. That's cancelled. Just a beach holiday for a week with the kids, and we've got we've we're booked to go to Florida in uh, end of August, early September, but it's looking like that's going to push as well. So I think we're going to try and, as long as this is all out the way, we're going to rebook Florida for next year uh, with the kids, and then we're going to try and get a winter break in the sun. So maybe around Christmas time, try and, you know, Cape Verde or the Canaries or something like that, just a bit of sun for the, for the winter. But I guess it depends on, um, on how it all goes. Yeah, Indeed. And Phil? Well, I'm the same. Uh, so, um, uh, at Easter, uh, it was big birthday in the house. And so we were celebrating that birthday in Mauritius. So that went. And then the half-term holiday that's coming up, uh, that was going to be with you, James. We were in, uh, we were in Turkey. So that, that one's gone yes. as well. So, so was you going, Phil, with your wife and kids and taking James with you? Yeah. What, to Turkey? Yeah. So it was, it was, we, it was, we were we were coming we were coming to uh, to Turkey and we were going to meet up in Bodrum, weren't we? And uh, and we were looking at looking at getting a boat in Bodrum. I thought you was, was taking you. I thought you meant you was taking your wife and kids and James as well as part of the family. Kids. We did talk yeah, about kids. like that. Yeah, yeah. We. Yeah. I, 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 before, I'm before like the Pied Piper when I go on holiday. <laughs> before uh, it's funny you should say that because before the real lockdown on flights came into the UK, I remember I was sat. I was sat having a, having a beer, just wrapping up for the day. As the sun was coming down, I got a call. I spoke with Phil, and we were talking about what's going on and stuff. And he's like, "Do you know what? I'm just thinking of like heading off to Mauritius and locking down over there. Would you be up for it?" And I was like, "Well, the answer straight away is yes, Phil. I would. <laughs> like, I could do PE lessons. I could do DJ lessons. Like, I'm here for you, mate. If you need me to help you, I'm here for you. No problem." So, <laughs> yeah, you're all you're all heart, mate. You're all heart. All heart. But we have committed to um to do New Year's in in the land of smiles in Thailand. So that's yeah. uh that's the that's yeah, that, so you know, that. It all needs to be done by New Year, doesn't it? And then we know that that one's that one's booked in. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Can't wait, guys. Enjoyed it as always. Yeah. Likewise, nice Martin. One. Thanks very much for your time again. See you Much again. Appreciate it, mate. Cheers. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on the Business Lockdown. Please comment, like, share and subscribe to help build our global community. We look forward to seeing you all soon.